the chat room say, let's go. Somebody in the living room say, let's go. You ready to have some fun in church today? If you're ready to have some fun in church today in a chat room, give me this guy right here. That's me. That's me. I'm ready for some fun today in church. Let's pray. God, I thank you that we get to gather together today as one family in thousands of locations all across this world, God. We thank you so much that your presence is with us. I pray right now, God, in every single room, no matter where this is being watched, no matter where this is being heard, I pray that right now we would begin to experience your presence. That right now you would help us put everything else in life on the back burner for just a minute and you would talk to us about our lives, God. Speak to us about our lives, about what you have in store for us. And God, I pray that even as this service is happening, that our joy level would begin to change, that we would begin to experience what your word calls the joy of our salvation and that the joy in our lives would be on the rise as we get into your word and allow you to encourage and equip us today. And we thank you and everybody at every location said, amen, amen. Usually I get to say hi to nine locations. Today I get to say hi to thousands of locations all across the world. And so hello to every single one of you. Thank you so much for joining us. And I want to give a special shout out today to Red Rocks Austin. Church, today is the first day in the history of our church that we have all, even our Austin crew, all done church together at the same time. Austin, we love you. We believe in you. And, and let's be honest, Red Rocks Austin, you guys are cheating when it comes to leadership, right? Like you have the best. How are you going to get better than Ryan Weckenman? You know what I mean? He's the smartest guy and the most spiritual guy any of us know. How are you going to get a better leader than Doug Weckenman, right? And, and his kids, his amazing kids, Will and Ethan, you know, they're fantastic. And so <laughs> if you know, you know, right? Austin, we love you. What's up, Brussels, Belgium? We love you, men and women at all of our God Behind Bars campuses. We love you so much. And every one of you that's joining us for the first time, thank you for being with us and welcome to Red Rocks Church. So as we know, church looks a little different. And the truth is, we're now starting to get used to the fact that church looks a little different, right? So now the different is becoming the norm almost, isn't it? But things have changed. I went into my 11-year-old's room about three weeks into quarantine. And I'm going to be honest, about three weeks into quarantine, I could feel that I had sort of let my foot off the gas pedal when it comes to parenting. All right? I'm just being honest. So I went into his room, and he's laying on his bed, and he's holding his phone up in the air like this. And I'm like, hey, Ash, what are you doing? He goes, binging Netflix. I go, oh, son. No, I go, son, listen, you can do it. You just can't say it. Don't say I'm binging Netflix. It makes me feel like I'm a worse parent. All right, do whatever you got to do. We stopped fighting the screen time battle two weeks into quarantine. Do what you got to do. Just don't say it. But I want to give you a picture of what was happening. He's laying on his bed and Disney plus is currently raising him. And he's got a bag of goldfish right here on his pillow and he's eating with one hand and the other side, he's got chocolate covered almonds 
right? So now he's going back and forth from his snacks. There's like two empty Dorito bags and a knocked over Coke can. I'm like, yeah, I definitely stopped parenting a while ago. And, and I said to him, and I, he, he had just told me before quarantine started, he had just told me, he's like, dad, I'm going to start eating healthy. I'm going to start doing push-ups every day because I'm getting ready for football season, right? He loves football. And so I said, son, I said, what happened to this new healthy eating plan you were going to be on? And he goes like this, hits pause on his phone and, he, and he's holding it and he looks at me and he goes, dad, quarantine will change a man, <laughs> says my 11 year old son, quarantine will change a man. In fact, he just told us last night at dinner that that is now the Johnson family creed for 2020. Quarantine will change a man and quarantine has changed some things, hasn't it? But I tell you what, it hasn't changed. It hasn't changed the fact that although we are doing church differently, it hasn't changed the fact that we are still the church. Church is not a building anywhere around Denver. It's not a building in Belgium. It's not a building in Texas. It's not a correctional facility. It's not a name. It's not a logo. It's not a website. Church is a people and we are still the church. Come, somebody say amen in a chat room somewhere. We are still the church. And if you want to respond today to what's going on as part of the church, just text one word, Red Rocks, to the number on your screen right now, and it'll, it'll allow you to do three different things. Number one, you can tell us that you're putting your faith in Jesus, which I believe some of you are going to do today. I believe during this talk, some of you are going to feel God personally calling you into a relationship with him. You might not have even known why you tuned into this, and I believe that's going to happen for some of you. So you can text Red Rocks to the number on your screen. If you want to give, you can text Red Rocks to the number on your screen. And if you want prayer, and I've been saying this for weeks and it is true, we have an army of people who can't wait to pray for you. So shoot us a text and we'll be praying for you and your family and your situation by name. Come on, that's good news right there. Let me say one quick thing about the giving I'm trying each week to share little bits and pieces of what your giving is allowing us as a church family to do. And because of your generosity in Red Rocks, I just got to say thank you. You have literally blown us away with your consistency and your generosity. And the things we as a church family are getting to do because of it are through the roof. We are feeding we are feeding homeless. We are feeding students who don't have meals. We are feeding families who don't have meals. And I'm talking about by the thousands every single week because of your giving. And as you know, we're working with seven different hospitals, supporting workers on the front line. And I got the coolest text this week from Jackie. Uh, Jackie is, is on staff here at Red Rocks, and she gave me permission to share this. But her husband was in the ICU last week, not with COVID, something completely different. And that when they got out of the hospital, she sent me this text. And it just it made me so proud to be a part of this church family with you. Check this text out. We were in the same ICU ER that Michelle Williams was in a month or so ago. And Red Rocks just stocked the fridge for their break room. Almost every nurse that came into our room when they learned I work at Red Rocks said, listen to this church, that's the church that helps nurses in hospitals, right? Like we're known for that now. This is so cool. Two of them had gotten free coffee from an Instagram post we did a while back and started listening to our messages online because of it. And then they were the ones that gave Alex the blood transfusion to keep him alive. 
It was so surreal to see the relief fund at work in front of my eyes. Come on, church. We are known as the church who is right now feeding students who don't have meals, feeding homeless who don't have meals, feeding the underprivileged who don't have meals. And now we're also known as the church who helps hospitals and nurses. Somebody make some noise somewhere. Somebody clap somewhere. That's good news right there. That's the kind of church I want to be a part of. A lot has changed during quarantine. A lot has changed since this COVID thing has become our reality. But the fact that we are the church has not changed, has it? I'll tell you what else hasn't changed. We started getting into this a little bit last week. There might be a worldwide pandemic. School might look different. Work might look different. For some of you, you may not even have work anymore or may not know if you're going to for long. The situation looks different. The financial I don't know what the, 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 the finances, I don't know what I had a word and I lost it. The finances look different for us. Investments look different. Plans that we had look different, right? A lot has changed, but what has not changed is you still have a calling and you still have a purpose and you can still walk with joy through any situation that this world can throw at you because greater is he who is within you than he that is in the world. And that includes anything related to a COVID virus. So you still have a calling, you still have a purpose, and you can still walk with joy through this life, even in the middle of all kinds of unanswered questions. And we started to be reminded of that last week. I'm going to do a quick recap because some of you weren't with us, because Austin is joining us, and because a bunch of you don't pay attention. <laughs> We're going to do a real, real quick recap. The Apostle Paul is in house arrest. He's in his version of quarantine, which puts ours to shame. He's chained to a Roman guard 24 hours a day. And before he went to prison, he's been beaten nearly to death multiple times, stoned nearly to death, all kinds of issues. None of his dreams are happening. He wants to start churches in Rome, but instead he gets arrested for talking about Jesus and beaten nearly to death and put in a prison in Rome. And they call it a, a, a house arrest and they chain him to a Roman guard and nothing is going right in his life and everything's flipped upside down. And it kind of reminds us of some of the conversations that we've had with our families, not to that degree, but for us, it goes like this. Yeah, school's so different and the kids are home and now we don't know what to do. I'm trying to run homeschool and I don't know what's going on with work and I'm trying to see what's going to happen. And I don't know if that's going to work out. And then we were planning on moving, but now I don't know about the, and we were going to go and nothing is working out and you don't know how it's going to work out, right? And Paul, in the middle of this, chaos of the unknown writes a letter to his friends in Philippi and theologians still today say, if you had to use just one word to describe his writing, it would be joy. The dude just has crazy joy. And so we started asking the question last week, what are you doing that we can do? Because we want that because we're in uncertain times. We're in chaotic times. All we have is question marks with so many aspects of our life right now. How can we get this crazy joy. And we saw part of the answer in verse one, Philippians one, one, he says this, Paul and Timothy servants of Christ Jesus. And we can, you can take the verse down. That's all we need. He said, let me just tell you guys why I have crazy joy in the middle of chaos. It's because it doesn't matter if it's a good day or a bad day. If I'm employed or unemployed, if I'm feeling rich or feeling broke, if I'm going hungry or, or, or have plenty, 
Come hell or high water, I'm a servant of Jesus. I'm about his business. Even in the midst of the unknown, even in the midst of the uncomfortable, I still have a calling. I'm a servant of Jesus. And and put that slide up. And here's what we learned last week. When we walk in our calling and in our purpose, we walk with his joy. Paul says, that's why I have crazy joy in the middle of a unfortunate, horrible situation. Because I've just decided I still have a calling. I still have a purpose. And when I walk in it, I still get his joy. And it changes my life. And it changes the way we live. Well, that was last week. Well, then in the second half of the same verse, church, he flips it. He flips the whole thing. He's like, this is how I'm living. And then he says, now I want to talk about you. This is not just for me. He says, this is for you. And it was for the church at Philippi. And then God made sure it got into the Bible so that we could know it's for us. So this is also now God flipping it going. That's how Paul did it, but I'm going to flip it. And now this is about you. This is how you can live. Let's reread verse one. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. Now he's going to flip it. Now I want to talk about you to all God's holy people. That's who you are. To all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and the deacons. And he says, he says, now it's not about me. Now let's talk about you. And he said, you can do the same thing. You can walk in your calling. You can walk in your purpose. You can experience the joy of the Lord. And it starts with you understanding it's because you are holy. You're a holy people. And I don't know about you, but I read that this week and I felt like that word just jumped off the page at me. In fact, I started texting Ryan Weckman. I'm like, man, this word's jumping off the page at me. And the truth is my response was, if, if God was looking at me going, you are holy. My response was, hmm, not, not really. I mean, somebody else might say that, but I thought you, I thought you know everything. Like, you know, I'm not Holy. And the truth is, if I were to look at each one of you individually and go, you know what God says about you right now? You are holy. A whole bunch of us in thousands of locations across this world would go. Not really. Quarantine will change a man, bro. I've been through some stuff lately. See, here's what we know about this quarantine and this covid and the way the world has shut down because of it. And people have been stuck at home because of it alcoholism shooting up pornography use on the rise drug addiction on the rise all kinds of substance abuse on the rise domestic violence on the rise all kinds of people saying we're having so many marital problems right now it's on the rise because whatever our issue was we got locked in a house together for a month or two and it really now now we really see it anxiety all-time high depression fear worry it's all on the rise I heard someone say this and it's a little cheesy, but it's so true. It's almost like, it's like, it's like you can picture a tube of toothpaste. And when you apply pressure to it, you see what's on the inside. That's what a lot of us are experiencing in life right now. We're dealing with pressures that we have not ever had to deal with, or at least not in a really long time. And we're not always real happy with what we find out is on the inside of us. And so this is probably the worst time to say I'm holy because quarantine will change a man. And I said some things and I've done some things and I've acted certain ways and I've thought certain things and I've dealt with anxiety at new levels, depression at new levels, loneliness at new levels. My doubt in you, God, 
at new levels. Let's be honest. Now's not the time to call me holy, right? I don't feel holy. That's true, isn't it? I don't feel holy, God. Hebrews 10, 10. We have been made holy. We have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. I don't feel holy. You're not holy because you feel holy. You're holy because Jesus Christ died to make you holy. You're holy because God's word says you're holy. And what Jesus did on the cross and what God put in his word supersedes and trumps our feelings every single day of the week. We're not holy because we feel holy. I'm holy because Jesus died on a cross to pay the price for my sins. And I get to stand in front of God now, perfectly spotless, righteous, sin-free, perfect in his sight. I'm holy. Not because I feel holy, because Jesus died to make it so. You're holy because God's word says you're holy, not because your emotions tell you that that's the case. I want you to let that sink in for just a second. The cre- if you've put your faith in Jesus and you said, I want to receive forgiveness of my sins and I want to follow you. If you've done that, then what Jesus did on the cross applies to you. No matter what's happened in quarantine, no matter what's happened this week, no matter what sin you're struggling with, no matter what happened last night, you are holy. And it's not about what you did this week or didn't do this week or the spiritual exercises you may or may not have engaged in or the sin you may or may not have avoided. You are holy because of what Christ did on the cross. That's why you're holy. That's why I'm holy. That's good news. Somebody say amen somewhere. We're holy. We're a holy people. In the Amplified Bible, it takes that word holy and it replaces it with consecrated. Talking about the same thing. You're holy. You're consecrated. You're set apart for a divine purpose. Because you're holy through your relationship with Jesus, not because you're good enough to earn it or deserve it. Because of Jesus, we're holy. And because we're holy, God says, now you're my son, you're my daughter, you're perfect, you're holy, and I'm setting you apart with a divine purpose. What's his will? That none should perish. What's the, what's the business of Jesus? Reach the lost, make disciples, make heaven more crowded, make a difference in this world. God says, because you're holy, I'm setting you apart with a divine purpose and your calling and your purpose will be attached to people. And you can do it because you're holy. Paul flips the whole thing on him. He said, I'm not just living this way. It's time for you to live this way. And yes, you can because you're holy with a divine purpose. The truth is we're holy even when we don't feel it. And we got a divine purpose even when we can't see it, even when we're unaware of it. And we're all right now going through a time of transition, right? Depending on where you live, If you're at a God behind bars campus, you know, for a certain time you are in confinement. If you're anyone else watching this, you've been in house arrest like Paul was, but real mild, right? Just stuck at home, but in confinement and way over there is like in my wildest imagination, I can almost picture life going back to normal. And the truth is most of us watching this are somewhere in the middle. I'm in stay-at-home orders. I just recently was let out of stay-at-home orders. If you're in the Denver area just this weekend, we we went from stay-at-home orders 
to safer at home orders, which I don't really even know what that means. And there's 19 pages I got to read to get all the rules. But the truth is we still can't go back to doing church the way we used to. We still can't go back to a stadium or a concert or a favorite restaurant. Not the way we used to like still not going back to work the way we used to like things are still we're in transition. It's like the doors have been opened slightly for a lot of us. But I still don't know where exactly to go. And I still don't know exactly what's going to happen next. And because we're in transition, going from confinement to hopefully one day back to normal, what we're tempted to do, no matter where we fall on that spectrum, is live every single day going like this, trying to see over the fence to what might be coming next. Am I going to get out? Am I, am I going back to work? Is school going to come back? Am I a homeschool teacher now for the rest of my life? Are the kids going to play sports? Will I go to a game? Will I get my job? Will I get a new job? How are the finances? How are we going to pay our bills? What's happening? I don't know what's next. And so we do all of it. We're always looking at what's next. And I think what we're about to see from Paul, this time he's not going to tell us it's possible. He's going to show us that even in the middle of transition, even in the middle of going from confinement to slight amounts of freedom, but no idea what's happening next, we can still choose this day to walk in a calling and a purpose and make sure it's attached to people. All right, so we're gonna jump over to Acts 16. If you're following along in a Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Acts 16, on your phone, you hit a button. You never know what, what the order of the books are in an actual Bible. <clears throat> it's like, why did we learn math? We got a calculator on our phone. You know what I mean? Uh, different conversation. So, okay, Acts 16. Paul helps a girl get out of slavery. Like somebody should have been throwing a party for this guy. He should have been getting hugs and high fives. But in that particular area, that girl's freedom was costing some bad people money. And so they beat him half to death with rods. And then while he probably, who knows, broken bones, definitely cuts and, and bruises and just beat nearly to death all across his entire body. They took him to a prison, took him to the inner cell and chained him to the floor. You don't talk about injustice. You don't talk about something that doesn't make sense. That shouldn't be happening. It's him. Watch what happens. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. This is not actually part of this message, but I can't read that and not say it. I know that a whole bunch of you are dealing with pressure and anxiety and fear and worry and depression at levels that you just haven't in a, in a long time. And can I just tell you that one of the best things you could do is go to God real and raw and honest and then throw some worship on it. I'm telling you, there is something powerful that happens when we just step into God's presence and just put some worship music on. Just sit there quietly and let the words speak over you. Sing along if you want. Praise God in the middle of it. I'm telling you, there's something supernatural that happens when we feel like we're in utter confinement and isolation. There's something that happens to our soul that is freeing when we begin to worship, regardless of what we see everywhere around us. That's a side note. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake. Their, their worship actually led to their freedom. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. You know what happened? Quarantine ended. 
Governor Polis just went on the news and did a briefing and said the stay at home order has been lifted and the doors are open. Oh, you can't go back to life as normal. You don't have a clue what's going to happen next, but you're in transition. The doors are now open. Watch what happens. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. He knows if the prisoners escape, they're going to kill me. I might as well kill myself. He was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're over here. We're still here. He didn't leave. He didn't sprint. He was set free and didn't run. Why? Because he wasn't living every second of his life, constantly looking over the fence, wondering, when am I going to get there? When am I going to get there? When am I going to get there? When's it going to change? When's it going to get fixed? When am I going to get set free? No, what he was living like this. Yeah, I'm probably going to get set free sometime. I think that's God's plan for my life, but I know this. He's got me right here for a reason. I have a calling. I have a purpose. It's always attached to a person and I'm not going anywhere until that happens. Cause I got a calling right where God's got me. I got a calling in a hospital. I got a calling in my neighborhood. I got a calling stuck in my house. I got a calling in this family. I got a calling with my friends at school. I got a calling with the people on my team. I got a calling. I don't know what's going to happen next. And it looks like some doors are opening, but I'm not leaving too early. I got a purpose and it's attached to a person right here. And so he stayed. The jailer called for the lights rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to get saved? I've never seen anybody go out of their way like this for me before. There's something different about you. I want what you got. How can I get saved? He gets saved. His family gets saved. They get baptized. They throw a party. Like the whole thing's off the rails and watch what the byproduct is for Paul going. I'm not going to live my whole life wondering and worrying about what's coming next. Even though I'm in transition, I'm focusing on my calling and my purpose in this moment. Watch what the byproduct is. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. Here it is. And he was filled with what? He's filled with joy because he had come to believe in God and his whole he and his whole household. Put that slide up one more time. I want you to see it again. When we walk in our calling, whether you're still in quarantine and confinement or you've just been set free and not sure what's going to happen next. When we walk in our calling in the here and now and in our purpose in the here and now, we walk with a supernatural, crazy joy from our God in the here and now, no matter what's going on around us. That's good news. Somebody clap some hands in a chat room. Give me those clap hands. Let me know you're with me. See, these are weird days. I'm recording on a Saturday and as of tonight and all weekend long, I'm going to be watching service with you in the chat rooms with you. So give us some clap hands. Hey, you know what? And right now, tell us where you're from in all the chat rooms. Just say, hey, here's where I'm from. Here's where I'm from. Here's where I'm. We want to know where you're at. We want to know who you are, who's joining us. So remember, Paul's turning this whole thing on us now. He says, I know you know how I receive crazy joy. I'm flipping it on you. I want you to go experience this. I want you to go live this way. And so his challenge to us would be now start doing it. And I think it starts with us going, okay, God, I'm going to stop worrying and wondering about what's going to happen next. And I'm just going to start praying. Give me a name. Give me a face. Give me a chance. 
Show me somebody to love even when I'm stuck here. Show me somebody to serve even when I'm stuck here. Show me somebody to reach out to even when my job's not working. Show me somebody that I can encourage even when I'm suffering with my own depression. God, you show me because I know I'm in transition, but I got a calling right here. Show me, God. Give me a name. Give me a face. Give me the courage. I'll go. That's where it starts, church. And I think at the core of who we are, every single one of us, we hear that and we're like, yeah, I want that. I want my life to matter. I want to have a calling and a purpose right now today. I'll go send me. And if you actually ever try it, one of the first thoughts that's going to pop up in your head is, but what do I say? (laughs) I was super excited for God to send me and now I'm about to go. What am I supposed to do? What do I say? Right? We're going to jump to one other story. And then we're going to come back to something that Paul tells us because there's a story in, in, in the Bible that shows us exactly what to do. See, I think here, put, put that phrase up, would you? When you don't know what to say and you want to glorify God, just start with your story. I don't know what to do and I don't know what to say, but I want to glorify God and start with your story. And that's what we see this woman do. And I think it's John chapter four. Yeah, John chapter four, there's a woman who goes out to get some water one day and she goes at noon and she goes at noon because it's the hottest part of the day. Nobody get the the women go almost every day to go get water, but they always go in the morning or in the night because it's cool. And and you don't go in the heat of the day. The water is too hot. The water is too heavy. It's miserable to carry that stuff home in the heat. But she goes at noon. She goes at noon because she's had multiple divorces She's living in sexual sin. And in this day and age, it was, it was pretty unheard of. And it was very scorned. And she, she, her confinement, and some of you know exactly what this feels like. Her confinement wasn't a house or a prison. Her confinement was isolation. She was isolating herself from other people because of shame and guilt and regret and mistakes. You know the game. We, we deal with this stuff. So I, just, I can't be around anybody right now because I'm so screwed up. That's, that, that, that was her confinement. And that's why she goes to get water at noon when nobody else will be there. And she's making sure nobody can see her because nobody wants to see her and nobody wants to talk with her and everybody hates her and everybody. She's an outcast and she knows it, right? What she didn't know is Jesus was going to meet her there. And she has this experience with Jesus and it changes her life. And almost instantly, she starts to realize, wait a second, I'm in complete transition right now. I don't know where I'm going to live next week. I don't know what's going to happen because she was living with somebody that she probably wasn't going to keep living with. I don't know even where I'm going to live next week. I don't know what's going to happen, but I know I just experienced Jesus and I could sense I have a calling. I have a purpose that I didn't have when I was on my way to this well. I want somebody else to experience what I've experienced. So she's going to go try and tell somebody her story because she, like you and me, doesn't have a clue what to say. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, these are people that she was scared to death of half an hour ago. Come see a man. All I know to do is tell you what I saw. That's all I got. Come see a man. He told me everything I ever did. That's all I know. I don't know. I don't know all the Bibles. He told me what I did. Could this be the Messiah? All I have is questions, but I'll tell you what I experienced. And they came out of the town and they made their way toward him. She's like, look, I don't have a theology degree. I'm still living with some guy who's not my husband. I don't have any of the answers. I'll just tell you my testimony. That's all I got. Listen to this. 
Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Not because she argued them into faith. Not because she yelled at them. Not because she made them feel guilty with some Bible verses. She just shared her story. She's like, it's all I got. I don't have all the answers. I got a story. If you want to hear that, I'll tell you that. John 4, verse 39 through 42. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. Now check this out. Now the very same people that she was scared to death to be around. Now they're approaching her. Watch this. They said to the woman, they're now coming up to her. We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we've got our own story. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. I want you to read between the lines. I want you to picture what's happening with this woman's level of joy. She walked to a well. And if you could read the joy in her life by her body language, my guess is hunched over. Real embarrassed, real shy, total isolation, shame, guilt, regret. Picture her walking home after those conversations. After the very same people that that she was afraid to talk to come up to her and say, I can't tell you, thank you enough. You saved my life. Thank you for your willingness to share your story. Thank you that you took a risk. That couldn't have been easy for you. Thank you because my husband's going to heaven now. My wife's going to heaven now. My kids are going to heaven now. Our neighbors got the whole city's rock. Thank you. We can't thank you enough. You've changed our lives. Imagine the sense of purpose and joy and confidence that starts rising up in her. And I bet you she walked home with her head held high and her shoulders pushed back with a confident joy that she has not experienced in years, maybe her whole life. Why? Even though in the middle of transition, when all she would have is questions about what's next, she realized I got a calling and I got a purpose and it's attached to a person. And if I don't know what to say, I'll just share my story and God does miracles and their lives are changed. And somehow I have been super naturally filled with joy and I live differently. I walk differently. I I talk differently. It changes everything when we start to experience that joy from our creator. And we start to experience it when we realize I don't have to live my whole life looking over the fence, worrying about what's next. I got a calling right now. Band, you guys can come up. I'm going to close with a, with a story. <clears throat> In fact, I recently shared part of this story. I've never told you the whole story. It was the first time in my life when I realized my story actually matters. Maybe I do have a purpose. Because <laughs> after I gave my life to God, I, I didn't think that was the case. I moved to Rockford, Illinois, and I was living with a friend named Mikey, and his parents were my home openers. That's what we called it. He was an intern at the church, and they had just decided to let another kid live at their house who didn't have a place to stay. And so I shared a bedroom with Mikey. I had wrecked my car right before I moved to Rockford into a fire truck, whole different story for a whole different day. I didn't have a car. 
I was making really good money when I was working in LA, but I spent it on drugs every single day almost. So I didn't have any money. So here I am in Rockford, Illinois. I'm 24 years old with a college degree. And I don't have a dollar to my name. I don't have a car. I don't have my own place to stay. I have no clue what I'm gonna do with my life. And I'm living in my friend's house. Transition, unanswered questions. Always wanting to look over the fence like, please God, tell me there's something next. Please God, tell me there's something better. And I didn't think my story mattered. What all I saw was when I got saved, I was like, okay, cool, God loves me. Excuse me, God loves me. And now I'm going to heaven. I just saw myself as a messed up kid who didn't really matter. And the truth is that wasn't the case. I was a walking, talking, real life story of God's redemptive power in someone's life. I didn't know it. You are a walking, talking, living proof, a story in the making of God's redemptive power. Your story has so much power in it. I know some of you, you're looking at your own life and that's what you're thinking. I'm just messed up. I don't really have much. God can't use me. God probably doesn't want me. I know he loves me and now I'm saved. I'm going to heaven, but you know, I don't really have much to offer. That's not true. You're a walking, talking story of God's redemptive power and miraculous life change possibilities. That's what your life is about. And I got a call one night. Some pastors said, Hey, would you come over to this apartment? There's a young man about your age and he was thinking about killing himself tonight. They said this pastor lingo. They're like, would you come minister to him? I was like, they, they can't want me to minister. I haven't even been saved for a year. I don't know anything about the Bible. I'm still sneaking out to Mikey's garage at night smoking cigarettes. I don't even own khaki pants. They can't be talking about me ministering. And I went over to this house and I sat across from someone that was about my age. And he told me his story. And he told me how badly he did not want to keep living. And I remember just sitting there thinking, I don't, I don't have an answer to his problem as far as I know. And I remember I said, look, um, I'm new to this. I don't, I don't know a bunch of Bible stories. Um, but I know what it feels like to be hopeless. last year, right before I got saved, I had sat down at a table and wanted to kill myself. And so I said, I I know what it feels like to, in your mind, get things so twisted that you actually convince yourself the world would be better without me. My loved ones would be better without me. It's not true. I know the, I know how real it feels though in the moment But I also know that if you don't do it, you're going to take a couple steps away from this. And one day you're going to look back and you're going to go, oh, thank God. Because everything I felt that was so real and logical was so illogical and it wasn't real. And it was a lie from the pit of hell. And God had a plan for my life. I just didn't know it. I couldn't see it. But I know, I know that dark cloud of despair. And no matter how many people sit in the room with you, you feel all by yourself. I know that feeling. And I went to a church service 
a little less than a year ago and a guy told me I could experience God for myself and I felt like you do now so desperate for change for anything I raised my hand in a church service I couldn't even believe I was in a church service and I raised my hand at a church service and I just said God if you're real I need you something's got to change A year has not gone by yet. And I got a lot of unanswered questions about my life and like what's next for me. But I can tell you this, I experienced the power of God and it changed me. I started feeling peace in ways I never thought I'd feel peace again. I started feeling hope again in ways I never thought I'd feel hope again. I started feeling a confidence that I never thought I'd feel again. And I just bet if God would do that for me, I bet he'd do it for you. And I was like, you want to pray or something? He's like, yeah, I think I do. And I was like, yo, pastors, do your thing. (laughs) You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to know what's going to happen next. You can be in the middle of all kinds of uncertainty and transition. I'm telling you, once you embrace the fact that you are God's holy, holy son, holy daughter, set apart with a divine purpose, and you can walk in that divine purpose right now in the middle of where you're at, no matter how many unanswered questions surround you. There is a supernatural joy that comes from that, something I've been calling crazy joy. And I'm telling you, church, we've never needed it more than we need it right now. And so my challenge to you is look less over the fence, worry less about what might happen next week, next month, next year, and just start saying, God, I'm here. And so until you move me, show me a name, show me a face. Give me the courage. Let's go. And I believe you're going to see miracles happen in the lives of people you love and in your life. In Jesus' name, let's pray. God, I thank you that you're with us right now. I thank you that your spirit is with us right now in every single room, in every single space where this message is being watched and listened to. I thank you that your presence is with us, that right now you're speaking to us about our lives, that right now you're reminding us that we're loved and valued and accepted when we haven't felt that way in a long time, that right now you're reminding us that we're called and chosen and anointed and holy when we haven't felt that way in a long time. And I thank you, God, for the supernatural joy and peace and confidence that's beginning to rise up in us, even some of us right now in Jesus' name. With everyone's eyes closed at every location, I want to ask you two questions, and I want to give you a chance to respond right now to what God's doing. The first question is this. You don't have a relationship with Jesus, but you can feel it in your heart. Like you just know that you know he had me watch this for a reason. This is my day. I need to ask God to forgive me of my sins. And I want to I'll say, Lord, look, I'm not going to be perfect. And I don't know how this is going to work out. But to the best of my ability, I want to follow you because I want your spirit to start living inside of me so I can experience that life to the fullest in the here and now. But even more than that, I want to be with you forever in heaven, forever, for eternity. I want that. And you just know, like, this is my moment. This is my day. I want to make that decision. If that's you right now, wherever you're at, raise your hand. 
If you're on one of our online platforms right now that gives you the option, click the button right under this screen. Click that raise my hand button. We wanna, we wanna support you, we wanna cheer you on, we wanna send you some free resources to help you start this journey. We're so happy for you, we're so proud of you, we're excited, the best is yet to come. I promise you that. The second thing is this. You say, I'm in uncertainty. I'm in a time of transition. I don't know what's gonna happen next, but God, I wanna be used by you in the here and now. I want to walk in my calling. I want to walk in my purpose. I want you to attach my calling, my purpose, my story, my past. I want you to attach it to a person in Jesus' name. You say, God, I'm ready. I'm open. Send me. If that's you, raise your hand. I want to walk in my calling. I'm not waiting anymore. I want to walk in my purpose. I'm not waiting anymore. I want to share what God has done in my life with somebody else. I'm not waiting anymore. Come on. God, I thank you that you're with us and that you're speaking and changing and healing and forgiving and granting eternal life. Right now, I thank you for everyone who raised their hand and is right now beginning a life-altering relationship with you. I thank you, God. And I thank you for every single one of us that are watching and listening right now that you're, you're inspiring us. We can live right now. We don't have to wait till life gets back to normal. We can live right now, walk in our calling right now, experience your joy in our lives right now. And for that, we say thank you. And everybody at every location said, amen, amen. Church, would you stand up on your feet? No matter what space you're in watching this, would you stand up on your feet? Don't watch them worship, let's worship. Let's go. I love you, church.